over these next few weeks, I, I wonder if I could speak to all the uh, leaders, cell leaders, discipleship group leaders, and what we want to do is take everybody on a discipleship pathway. Now, this is a brilliant discipleship church, but what we want to do is, is un, unlevel, un, unravel some levels and, and get particular words on discipleship. As I said earlier, I believe that God is going to bring times of refreshing, but also particular words to particular people to give them a new direction. The goal of discipleship is to be like Jesus and to flourish in your kingdom purpose. To be like Jesus. Write this definition down. The goal of discipleship is to be like Jesus and to flourish in your kingdom purpose. By the way, you know that the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. It's good if you take notes in church. Um, I am going to share with you over the next few weeks a discipleship pathway of how we can be rooted, growing, and fruitful as we become like Jesus. And so uh, we've produced some materials. Cell leaders, you'll get this material. If you want to take it with you today, there'll be some on reception. Uh, if you're not particularly in a cell group yet, why not? Come on, join in. We want to be a part. We want you to be a part of things. So please, let's go on a journey together. You know, I've been watching the news this last week, and my question is, how do we navigate these times? When I look at the stories in the news at the moment, it's almost like it comes at you one after another. Something shocks you, then something else is more shocking. I look at the Ukrainian war, and I want to remind you what President the Valesti's um, wife said, you know, we are counting the cost in energy, they are counting the cost in lives. Let's never forget that. You know, and the, the reports of the Ukrainian war are shocking. And then we've been just blown away by the Pakistani floods, people living on slithers of land. And, and we, we look at that, and I've been shocked at seeing the shootings in Liverpool, and then, and then actually, the, the two shootings were bad enough, and then a nine-year-old, Olivia, is shot. And it, and, it, and it kind of assaults our senses, and then we're being predicted an energy crisis. And, and this is all in one news bulletin. I wrote, I decided I was going to write one news bulletin down. This was in the same news bulletin, and then we're being predicted an energy crisis. By the way... Jehovah Jireh is our provider, and don't give in to the prediction of fear. Now, we've got to be wise. And then in the same news bulletin, there was a talk about inflation being the highest, and, and then incredible, and I was just musing with this with Pastor Claudette, and she reminded me, oh, but also, we don't even know who our prime minister is yet. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of a, of a, a story of a police inspector was taking a police inspector's exam, and one of the exam was how you respond in crisis and make priorities. And on the exam, it was uh, that a, a van 
driving through a village, veers off into a duck pond and begins to sink. And just at that moment when the police inspector sees that, a lady goes into labor on the, on the pavement, on the sidewalk. I said sidewalk for Yolanda, so she knew what I was talking about. A uh, lady on the, on the, is, uh, you know, she's, she's having a baby right there on the pavement. And then just at that moment, there's a gas explosion there from a shop. And the, and, the, and the exam question was, what would you do in, in this situation? And the police inspector wrote down, I would take off my uniform, blend into the crowd, and hope it all goes away. <laughs> and it can be a bit like that, can't it? It can be a little bit like that at the moment that we kind of think, well, I'm just going to ride it out. I'm going to put my head in the sand. And understandably, many of us are wondering, how are we going to navigate this future? But perhaps the best answer is, it's not, what will we do? Perhaps the best answer we can give is, who will we be like? What type of person will we be? Who will we reflect in the midst of all this? Let's, let's clear the ground a little bit. Let's, let's go back to basics. Let's remove some of all the competing ideas and themes. And let's refresh ourselves in the foundational call that we have as believers and as people who belong to Jesus. This foundational call upon our lives to be his disciple. The Bible describes it like this. Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers, I pray out of these glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Do you need strength? Let's ask the Lord for it, the Holy Spirit for it. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how high, how long, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge and news items and, and reports, that it surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure and the fullness of God. You see, God hasn't got a small goal for you. He wants to fill you with everything that he is. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 reads like this. Until we all reach unity in the faith. We've got to keep together, church. And the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure and fullness of Christ. The goal for you is to be filled with Jesus and everything that he is. Paul, speaking like a nurse, Speaking like an expectant mother to the Galatian church in chapter 4 said it this way, My dear children, who am I in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you? In all the many things that we are, doctors, lawyers, teachers, nurses, marketing experts, brilliant people, in all that we are, we are clearly asked to be like Jesus. In the 1970s, which by the way was the hairiest decade in, in the history of humankind, everybody seemed to have long hair in those uh, days. And uh, 
Some of you older African gentlemen, you know you had the fro going on back there. You, we know that. But there was a song in the 1970s that we all used to sing, and some of you won't remember it, but it said, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask, to be like him. Not in a measure, but in his glory, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask. Sometimes I used to wonder, is that all you're asking? It's the greatest thing in the world to be like Jesus and to be asked like him. But one of the things that I noticed looking back at history that we used to sing that song and then we would quickly run on to Bible studies and programs and things like that without ever really answering the question, what is Jesus like? We kept asking to be like Jesus and never really defined, well, what is Jesus like? What is his character like? We need to be like him in his character, in his conduct, and in his conviction. You see, we are to be like him and act like him. We are to have the inner thoughts that he had, that he would have if he was us. It seems impossible, but actually it is, it is possible to be like Jesus in this world. You see, all our behaviors are based on a belief. You, you're, the way that you behave is because you believe something. The way that you behave to someone else is because you believe something about them. Now, our behaviors and our beliefs, they're either built on a truth or a degree of a lie or degrees of truth. Well, you don't do anything because you just do it. You do it because you believe something about that situation. So you can believe something about the world situation right now, but I choose to believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I'm not minimalizing some of the difficulties we face. But you will not change unless you assault your beliefs and whether or not they are true or whether or not they have got degrees of lies. You will wrangle with things. You will go over and over again and you have to begin to move your mind and fill your mind to be more like Jesus and begin to fill your mind with the truth of who Jesus is. I want to just briefly, and this is kind of an overview today. I'm just Mr. Pastor Reminder today. I'm going to remind you of some things. I'm going to talk to you about four moves that you can make to be like Jesus. And these moves are things that will deepen over the next few weeks. If you're going to move to be like Jesus, you're going to have to consider seriously what his character is. And seriously, go beyond just a set of professional ethics or a set of work practices or uh, British culture or your tradition from your nation. We're going to have to unpick all of that and say to ourselves, what is Jesus' character like? I want to move towards that behavior and that belief. You see, the character of Jesus is that he's sacrificially loving. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says, live the life of love just as Jesus lived the life of love and gave himself up for you. See, his love isn't just romantic love, it's sacrificial love. It's love that says, I would prefer your life to prosper than my life. It's sacrificial love. Jesus is humble. In fact, when he called out and said, come to me, all you are 
heavy laden and I will give you rest. And if you've got weariness in your soul, he said, because I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. When he's humble, it means that he knows his position before man and God and he just lives that way. He's gentle. Jesus' character is gentle. It means that he gives everybody their right space and their space that they should have and doesn't take away from others. Jesus was obedient. Do you know that he was obedient? And the word obedience is is kind of out of fashion today. But in Philippians chapter 2, he says he's obedient, not only just general obedience, but obedience enough that he would go to a cross for us. It means that he would put God's will above every other will, that whatever God asked him to do, and you've heard it today from our pastor, if God asks you to do something, the best thing to do is to be obedient. You see, we think that sometimes being Pentecostal is kind of a brand or a style that we enjoy, but can I remind you that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit? The Bible clearly says that the Spirit led him into his temptation, and when he came out of his temptation, he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. When he spoke to his disciples, it said he spoke with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we consider the character of Jesus, we need to make a serious attempt to say, God, how can I be sacrificially loving? How can I be humble? How can I be gentle? How can I be joyful, joyful? joyful, not moody on a Monday morning, but joyful, not shallowly happy, but Jesus joyful because I know where my real strength lies. How can I be obedient, God, that I'm following your will? Holy Spirit, will you fill me? Would you fill me? Would you fill me again? But I'm not going to be filled because I want to be just a good Pentecostal. I want to be filled because Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I want to be a Jesus person in my life. Can I hear an amen, church? Because I'm about to get preaching soon. If we're going to move... Towards Jesus, we have to seriously consider his character and begin to ask God, God, where are the things that I can be? Where are the ways I can be that way? If we're going to move, secondly, towards Jesus, we have to know and practice his words. Jesus put it this way. He said in John 14, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who has sent me. And then in chapter 15 of John, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. You see, if you really love someone, you won't ask inappropriate things. If you really have his word in you, the inappropriate things that sometimes we ask for, we won't ask for them because we are knowing what Jesus' words are. And that's shaping our minds. And we are saying, Jesus, that's your word. I will seek to follow that. At the end of what I think is his greatest sermon in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus put it like this. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. It's not just knowing them or having them on our fridge or quoting them. But actually, if we begin to say, how can I practice what you say, Jesus? If you put them into practice, they are like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain may come down, Jesus said. The bad news may come. The reports may come. The streams may rise. And the winds may blow and beat against the house. 
yet it did not fall because at its foundation it has a rock. And those rock, that rock is the words of Jesus. Can I hear an amen from the Ghanaian fellowship here? We need to base our lives on the words of God and we need to practice the words of God. And I believe over this next season, Jesus is going to point out a word to me, to you, to individuals and say, this is the word that I want you to practice because this will progress you in the life of Jesus. If we're going to move towards being like Jesus, we're going to have to follow him and join with him and be like him and be involved in his works his character and his words, but in his works, the works that Jesus was involved in. Again, John 14 puts it like this, Jesus himself speaking from the upper room. Very truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And if I was you sitting in church today, I would say, whew, the works of Jesus, man, he healed lepers and all this and what have you. How can I do that? But Jesus tells us actually the categories of his works in his, he went to a lowly uh, synagogue in, in Nazareth and, and gave his, his manifesto and he said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news. Does anybody can proclaim the good news today? Could anybody do that? Could you do that? He anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners. Could anybody proclaim any freedom for prisoners today? Do you think you could do that? And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. The works of Jesus fall into three categories. Number one, speak life. KT, speak life. Speak the life of Jesus to people. Speak life. Proclaim that the Lord is here. Proclaim that he's got good news. Bring healing and freedom. Emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing. Speak freedom. Bring healing to people. Bring comfort and restoration to people. And release justice to those people who can't help themselves. If you see somebody that can't help themselves, help them. And you'll be, able, and, be, and you'll be able to be joining in with the works of Jesus. You see, we've got to move towards him, church. We've got to move towards him in these times. It's not how will we do, it's who will we be like. And we'll move towards him when we seriously consider his character. And we produce material where you can have a little look at that. And I encourage you to get it. I want all the cell leaders to bring it into your cells. So you can seriously look at his character because I believe there'll be some breakthrough and healing for you as you do that. But as we consider his words and think, well, how can I do that? And we consider his works and say, I want to do that. But you know, lastly, if we're going to move towards Jesus, we need to respond as he did. We need to learn his ways. His words, his works, his ways, and his character are really important for us. You know, can I take you back to that uh, decade again that I've been mentioning, the 1970s? Some of you never lived there. Thank God for you. Because the clothing and the fashion was awful. You know, when I first walked into church, did I ever tell you this? 
that when I walked into church, my hair was really long. I had a green dot on my forehead, and uh, I had tartan patches in my jeans. I had platform soles that were multicolored. I must have, and I walked into what was called then a holiness church. Those people looked sideways at me and thought an alien had landed. But I want to tell you something about those people. They were a holiness church, but those people loved me. They saw, and they just loved me. I know they didn't wear makeup. I know they didn't go to the cinema. They didn't do all this. They didn't drink. They did all that. I was doing all that stuff. But those people turned their hearts to me and said, we love you more. And they led me to Jesus. But in the 1970s, we used to wear a wristband, and it said, WWJD. Does everybody remember those? I mean, what would Jesus do? I think we should do bring those back. I mean, I hate to bring the 1970s back. It's such a fashion crime. But maybe we could bring the wristbands back. You know, that was WWJD. What would Jesus do? And I think that we've got to get back to our responses of what would Jesus do in this situation? Jesus would respond with compassion and conviction. Have you ever met those Christians that they only respond in compassion? They've got no conviction about them. Have you ever remembered those harsh Christians that only respond in conviction and there's no compassion about them? Jesus seemed to blend compassion and conviction together. We need to conduct our lives the way that Jesus conducted his life and that we respond the way that he responded. You see, to children, Jesus was welcoming. To the sinful, Jesus was compassionate. To the crowd, he was not afraid to teach them. To the persecutors, he made no answer. To the inquirers, he deepened their thinking. To the religious, he pointed out relationship. To the angry, he was peaceful and he turned the other cheek. Men could find their purpose in him and women could receive back their status in him. I love Jesus, don't you? I love him. Because every single person finds their value in him. I love him today. How about you? I know you do. You're a good church. But I'm just wondering today if we could fall in love with Jesus again and go a bit deeper in our love with Jesus. I wonder if we could fall in love with Jesus again and find our kingdom purpose in an even deeper way. You see, his character, his words, and his works, and his ways are the things that draw us to himself. Wouldn't you like to get closer to Jesus over the next few weeks? By the time Christmas comes, wouldn't it be a great gift if you felt well, God, you've opened up a new door for me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back in a moment. But when we talk of becoming like Jesus, of course we know that it's a lifelong thing. And of course we know that it's a journey that we can only take with the Holy Spirit. So will you do something with me right now? Would you put your hand over your heart and would you join with me and say, Holy Spirit, if there's anything that I need to cooperate with you about, I am willing right now. Because you can only be like Jesus by the, by the action and how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You see, the real goal of discipleship is to become like Christ and be fruitful in your kingdom purpose. To do this, we're going to need to be rooted in his love, growing in him, and fruitful for him. And you're going to hear that quite a lot over the next few days and weeks. Rooted, growing, and fruitful. 
But I wonder today if you could just begin this journey by saying, Holy Spirit, if you need to show me anything, please show me something. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. In a moment, I'm going to show you an amazing uh, film. But would you please stand with me? Because I've got three questions just to close with. I wonder today... First of all, you see, I see so many great Christians, but when I look at you, I look at you and I think, what, what tremendous Christians you are. But the first question I have for you is, I wonder if you could question your plateau, the, the level that you have been on for a long time. I look at Mama Victoria and I see the grace and wisdom in her eyes, and I think, you know, I'd like to sit at your feet and learn about your Christianity but I wonder with all of us, myself included, me and Kathy have been praying and we've been talking amongst, you know, we don't want to be on a plateau. We want to go to the next level. So I wonder if you could question your plateau or whether you said, you know what, I've been the same type of Christian for a long time. I've got the same answers that I've got for the same time. There is nothing wrong with faithfulness and loyalty. Uh, there's nothing wrong with consistency. God bless you for that. But is it time that we go up from our plateau to the next level in Jesus? Can I hear an amen, church? Because agreement is important in the, these moments. I wonder if you could, secondly, I could question not just your plateau, but your priorities. I wonder if you could make a priority to find out one character trait of Jesus and, and say, you know what, I'm going to deepen my life into that. I'm going to become more joyful. I don't mean shallowly happy. I mean joyful, deep joy. I'm going, to, I'm going to find out how to do that. I wonder if you could find out one word of Jesus and say, you know what, I'm going to live that out. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to practice that so that people don't have to read the Bible. They just have to look at my life. I wonder if you could find one of those works of Jesus. Speak life tomorrow at work. Bring freedom tomorrow at work. And help somebody who can't help themselves. I wonder if you could, just in an ongoing situation that, that's been bugging you, that you say, how would Jesus respond to this? What would Jesus do? You see, I'm praying that not only do you question your plateau, and that you make some priorities, but that you push again. I don't know how far you're coming back from today, I, I, I have nothing but respect for the Christians that I see around me in this church. But I wonder, even if you're coming from a long way back, whether I could encourage you to say, come on, let's go again. Can we catch our second wind? And instead of kind of just knowing what we do as Christians, to say, Jesus, open me a fresh door and deepen my life again. Can you catch a second wind with me? Let me show you this film. Come on, give him a clap offering, somebody. Let's catch a second wind. We need a second wind. Let me show you this film. Keep your eye on the man in the hat. This is from the 1970s. Tendoniasis had killed his knees. He got off to a slow start in the 800 meters final in 1972. And he thought, wow. I have found myself so far behind. 
you might have found yourself a little bit behind today. Keep your eye on the man in the hat. You know, I see some of you as the man in the hat. You feel like you're behind. But he got his feeling that he was kind of, he got ready for the pack and he was now within striking distance. Keep your eye with the man in the hat. Come on, David. You can do it. I don't know whether you feel you're behind. You might be figuring, well, I'm just going for third place. Why not go for first place? Come on, David. You can win. Now listen to me. I know that some of you feel like you're far behind, but I want you to know something that you can do what David Wattle did and you can break the tape and you can be like Jesus. I believe it's possible for people today. Come on, somebody give him a clap offering. I don't know how far you're coming back from, but why don't you get a second win? Lift your hand with me and say, God, give me a second win. You know what? I don't care how old you are today. I look at some of your faces. You know lots of the Bible. But it's time to have a second wind and say, Jesus, I want to go again. I want to go again. No matter where you're coming from, you can come back. You can make a start. And you can break through to a new level in Jesus because we can be like him because I believe it's absolutely possible to be like Jesus to be like Jesus not in a measure but in his fullness KT let's get a second win come on